sermon is Life and Love from the series that we've been trying to preach and teach about what if, what if we prayed, what if we prayed. I want to preach this morning about life and love. Would you, as they display it on the, on the screen this morning, would you just join me and let's pray this prayer that we've been teaching through together this morning. The beautiful prayer that the Lord gave us that we call many times the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. Let's just say it together if you, if you wouldn't mind. Jesus said this, in this manner therefore pray. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I believe that this morning, don't you? This, this week we are taking that phrase from verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't mind telling you that this past week has been a very challenging and difficult week for all of us, hasn't it? It's been a sad week. It's been a heart-breaking week for many different reasons, among many different people, individuals and families in our church family. And we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. This week, I, I find my, found myself, and this is just my week, just my examples, and you could share yours and, and things that, that you have dealt with and encountered and, and come across this week. But this week, I, I received a call from a, a gentleman at UVA, and he said, I have to make a decision about my wife to take her off of life support. As I was meeting with that gentleman at UVA, I went down and visited with him and prayed with him. and I found out during that same time as I was visiting with this gentleman that a, a young man who was part of our youth group, his life was over way, way too early. We live in a fallen world. The same time at UVA, there were two men on two different floors that many of us, Pastor Allison and Pastor Hudson down in Charlottesville, that many of us were visiting. They were both passing it away. One man made it very clear to different ones of us that he had made things right with the Lord. I thank God that he is merciful to us. I thank God that while there's still breath, there's hope. But I, I urge us this morning, don't wait that long. Give your heart to the Lord today. Make things right today. The other gentleman, I, I don't know. I don't know. He was in and out of consciousness and et cetera things. We sat here Friday and Pastor Allison preached a, a funeral can I tell you, we live in a fallen world. Two women that Pastor Jay and I, we visited this week. One grieving a loss of a spouse of many, many years. One dealing with a progressive disease that unless God intervenes, will continue to progress. We live in a fallen, hard world. One of our church members is recovering from a knee surgery and doing really well. Another of our ladies just suffered a fall and now she's starting the process of 
recovery. We live in a hard, difficult, fallen world. In and out of nursing homes this week, and we see the, the, the aging process take its toll upon countless people. And I look at some of them, and I know that what, whatever the disease or the illness that has worn on their bodies that maybe 20 years ago they weren't like that. You see, we live in a fallen and a difficult and a hard world. Can I make something very clear to us this morning? Our world today is not what God intended it to be at creation. It's not what God intended for it to be at creation. Yet, God is still at work. God is near to the brokenhearted. God is near to those who are crushed of emotion. God is near you. God is near me. But our world right now, this world which we live, is still a fallen world. Let, let me give us some scriptural basis this morning, and I believe they'll put it on the screens for us. Just wanna, I'm just going to take my time and speak from the heart this morning, if I could. Just, just go through this, because I believe it's where we, where we ought to discuss today. Here, here's what happened. God created this beautiful garden and perfection, and he, he meant for there to be great communion between him and Adam and Eve and all of, all of mankind. And what a beautiful, beautiful creation God made and intended for things to be. But we see here where this curse and this fallenness comes from. And I just want to tell us this morning with all love, heavy on my heart today, just to say this to you, that the, the bad things that happen to us and that happen in this world, they're not God's fault. But God loves us and God wants to take us through those things and he wants to restore us to himself. And one day, God, our loving God, is going to put it all back together again. Let's read about the fall here. It said, now the serpent, we know that the, that the devil, the enemy, the one who is after each of, of our lives, that he, he took on the form of the serpent. He went in and used the serpent and said, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let's keep moving to the next verse. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. God gives us rules in life, but they're always for our own protection and for our own good. And he, he had said, don't eat of this certain tree. But here's the strategy of the enemy. Here's the strategy of the devil, of Satan. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. How many times has the devil lied to us? He lies to this world around us. For God knows that in that day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, and she ate, 
She also gave to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he also ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Here we see innocence of humanity lost. And now humanity knows sin and lives in sin apart from Christ. We also see here the first attempt of humanity to cover our own shame and cover our own sin as they took and they tried to take fig leaves and cover themselves up. But only God can cover our sin. Verse 9, and they heard in the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Can I tell you what sin causes us to do in this fallen world? It causes us to run and hide ourselves from God. When what we need to be doing is running to God. Then God called to Adam and he said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Trying to make an excuse here, but I want to tell us that we're all responsible for our own sins. We're all responsible for our own sins. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Let me just say right here that just because I am tempted to do something or I feel like I want to do something does not make it right in the eyes of God. We must avoid and flee temptation. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you should go. Evidently the serpent had had limbs that were taken away. And you shall eat dust in all the days of your life. Here's a beautiful scripture in, in, in verse 15. And I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And why is that beautiful? Just quickly, it's a prophecy talking about that Christ is going to come to restore mankind. Immediately when we fail, God is already talking about the plan of redemption for us. No wonder he's a good, good father. To the woman, he said, now here's the curse, some of the curse. I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil and work and hard labor you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Ever wonder why it's so hard to get ahead or stay ahead and we're constantly working just to maintain? Because we live in a fallen world. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Till you return to the ground. What is that? That's death. You see, God never intended for us to die. But the curse of sin brought forth death. 
God's going to put all this back into order. Stay with me till the end of the sermon this morning. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Three quick points that I want to make this morning as we have established the fall. Let me just say quickly three things that, that we deal with because of the fall. And then I want to talk about how God is going to put it all back together. One is the enemy comes now constantly to stop us. To stop us. He first and foremost wants to stop us from learning the truth of God's word. The Bible teaches me that if I know the truth, the truth will make me free. And I want to encourage every one of us to become students of the word of God and get his word, as the psalmist said, hide his word in our hearts that we might not sin against God. Do you know the word? Do I know the word? Are we reading the word? Are we studying his word? But the enemy wants to stop that because he doesn't want us to know the truth about things. He wants to stop love. He wants to stop the love of God. There's so much hate in this world. There's so much anger in this world. But God is love. And as the people of God, may we love God, may we love each other, may we spread his love everywhere we go. But the enemy, he wants to stop this love. He wants people to think they're not loved. He wants people to think they're unloved. But God is love. We are love. And may we be his, the hands and the feet of Christ and show love. People need to know that God loves them. People need to know that the Nortonsville Church of God loves them. And each one of us loves them. He wants to stop life itself. I hate to be a doomsday preacher this morning, but I, I promise you that the enemy, Satan, the devil, has a target on my back and a target on your back. He has a target on your family. He has a target on my family. He has a plan. He has a scheme. And he walks about, the Bible says, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now the good news is I have put my trust in not the one who is like a roaring lion, but in the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. And I encourage each one of us to daily renew our trust and our hope and our walk with Jesus Christ. Because if we do, the Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So yes, the enemy is on your trail. Yes, the enemy is chasing after me. Yes, he wants to stop us, even our very lives. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God is greater. God is love. What else does he want to do? He wants to steal. He wants to steal from us. He wants to steal our happiness. I saw it in Numbers no, excuse me, I saw, it, I saw it in Nehemiah the other day in an old Bible that my, my sainted grandmother, who's been gone for 15 years now, she had written up above that scripture, joy, and it said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to tell you, the enemy wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our happiness. He wants to steal those things from us. But I believe if we stay with God, God will keep us in perfect peace. God will give us happiness and strength. 
You may say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord and I don't know peace. But I want to tell you that if we come to know Jesus Christ, he begins a work in our lives. And these things that have been stolen from us can be restored. He wants to seal our hope. He wants to tell us that life isn't worth living. There's no hope for tomorrow. There's no hope for things to turn around. But I, I want to remind us that God can do anything. And God is working on our behalfs. Again, I want to go back to the word of God here that said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And the more we get his word into us, the greater our hope and our faith can be. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. He wants to steal our health. The curse of sin has already done that in a lot of ways where all the Bible said appointed unto man wants to die and after death the, the judgment what else is the enemy trying to do to us? He's trying to stop. He's trying to steal. He's just flat out trying to stomp us. He wants to destroy whatever and whoever he can. That's why it's so important for us as a church to keep the main thing the main thing. Can I just preach this morning? The main thing, the main thing. We, we, we can get focused on this activity or that activity, but when it comes down to it, people need the presence of God. People need to hear the word of God. They need the, a loving church. God, help us to keep the main thing, the main thing. God, help us to remember there are hurting people that depend upon us. There are people that look to this church. This church is known throughout the communities. This, they know that we believe the word of God. And I believe we're going to continue to believe the word of God. They know that we love people. And we're going to keep loving people. They know we believe in the power and the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit moving and touching. We're going to continue to do that. And we're not going to major on minor things. We're not going to get distracted on frivolous things. But we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. And we're going to lift up God. We're going to glorify him and be his hands and feet to those around us. The enemy is at work, but God's people are at work too. He wants to stomp our finances. He wants to stomp our families. He wants to stomp all over our, our faith. But I want to tell you this morning, John 10, 10 and 11. What I just preached in a, in a different way, as I said, stop and steal and stomp. Jesus said it this way, kill, steal, and destroy. But if they can put it on the screen, John 10, 10 and 11, here it is. The thief, Satan, comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Here's the good news. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. God is at work. God sent his son to counteract this curse that we live in. He's here now and he will be here in the future. Let's talk about that before we land the plane this morning. We've seen the fall of man because of sin, the curse that is, that is in this world, we see that we're living in, in that curse where the enemy is trying to steal and to kill and destroy or, or to, to, to stomp and to, and to steal and to stop. But when we pray, 
Forgot, you thought I forgot about the model prayer, didn't you? When you pray or when we pray, that model prayer that says, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First, we're praying, God, I'm inviting you to come be part of my life, to have your will and your way in my life right now. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to extend your kingdom as far as I can in this fallen world. But then we're also praying for that day when he's going to come and establish his kingdom once and for all. You see, God is going to put it all back together like it's supposed to be. Things that bother us today, troubles and trials and sickness and death and pain and suffering and all the things that that pull us down one day. Those former things are going to pass away. And God is going to put it all back together again. And I say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. I am longing for that day. I am looking for that day. I am living with hopeful anticipation for that day. As the writer said, oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Yes, our Lord is coming back to earth again. We don't have to live without hope. We don't have to live despondent and worried. God is going to come back one day and he's going to put it all back in order. But until then, his grace is sufficient. Until then, his grace is enough to keep you and keep me. And I'm going to make it. How about you? I have no plans of giving up. How about you? I have no plans of saying it's too hard. It's too heartbreaking. I am disillusioned. I never thought I would see the day. So I'm just going to sit it out and I'm going to quit. No, I'm going to press toward the mark and the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. I didn't start this race to quit this race. But I started this race to look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith. We're going to make it through him. Hallelujah. Look with me, please, to Revelation 21, starting at verse 1. Revelation 21, starting at verse 1. This is John, the revelator, writing it all down. He said this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven And the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Oh, get this, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. Can I just stop right here and tell you I'm not preaching some kind of fairy tale right here. I'm not preaching something that we're hoping will happen one day. I am preaching a prophetic word from the word of God that John the revelator saw it and he wrote it down. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. 
And I want to be there. I want to be in that number. I want to be in that tabernacle of God, in that presence of God. He said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at verse four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There's gonna be no more sorrow. No crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. My Lord. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Yes, the world has fallen. Yes, we live in a fallen world. But one day he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. And God said to John, he said, Write these words. Why? Because they're true and they're faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Here's some good news this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, I don't know if I know God. I don't know if I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Well, there's an invitation for you today. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and drawing you to God, and only he can do that, But if he is drawing you to God, and I urge you today, then you can come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you can know that you are ready to meet God. Here's what he said. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I could have stopped right there and we could have just shouted down that point. But I don't want to do the scripture any disjustice just for a shout. I want to give the full picture here. Look at verse 8. Everybody's not going to make it. That's a sad, sad statement. Heartbreaking statement. Only those who know Jesus Christ are going to make it. And when we know Jesus Christ... Our life changes. We become regenerated. And we put sin aside and we start living for God. Now, I'm not saying we become perfect. We need his grace. But but things change in our lives. There's a regeneration. Amen? But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. And brimstone, which is the second death. As your pastor this morning, I urge you that if those adjectives describe you or part of your life, to get those things right with God. If you're unbelieving, become believing. If you're abominable, doing things that are not good, make it right, change it. Murderer, thou shalt not kill, but sometimes we kill people with our words. 
what Jesus said. Sexually immoral. There's no sexual relationship that is ordained by God other than one between a man and, a, and his wife. A husband and his wife. That's it. That's, that's it. I can't, I can't add anything more right there. A man and his wife. Sorcerers fooling around with the powers of this world, the powers of the enemy. Idolaters looking at things and possessions and positions and placing all of our emphasis on those things. But when we need to be facing, look, putting God first, seek his kingdom first and he'll add what we need. But see, sinners will have their place in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. And that's the second death. I, I I'm so excited about this new heaven and new earth that God is creating that I don't want to go to a place called hell and I don't want you to go. I don't want any, anybody in this room to go to a place called hell and I get no joy when I have to preach or teach something that, that says certain people are going to go to hell unless they get saved and find Jesus Christ, change their life. But the good news is we can, we can be changed today. We can make it right today. If you need to make something right with God today and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, guess what? This pastor, I, I can't deal with you. I can't tell you, you know, and see your heart and your mind. But if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about something, it's because he loves you. He wants you to get it right. We can all get it right through Jesus Christ. Nor am I preaching up here as a holier than thou putting myself on a pedestal because the Bible tells me that we have all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. But he tells me that if I confess my sins, he's faithful, just, to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I stand before you this morning as a sinner who has confessed his sin to God and now I have his righteousness. Hallelujah. And I ask you this morning, do you have his righteousness? If you don't, you can. He gives it freely. I'm going to close with this. In the beginning, the Son, S-U-N, was created. In the end, the Son will not be needed because the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, will be the light. In the beginning, Satan is victorious. But in the end, Satan is defeated. In the beginning, sin enters the human race. But in the end, sin is banished. In the beginning, people run and hide from God. But in the end, people are invited to live with God forever. In the beginning, people are cursed. But in the end, the curse is removed. In the beginning, tears are shed with sorrow for sin. But in the end, there's no more sin, no more tears, and no more sorrow. In the beginning, the garden and the earth are cursed. But in the end, God's city is glorified and the earth is made new. In the beginning, paradise is lost. In the end, paradise is regained. In the beginning, people are doomed to death. <laughs> but in the end, death is defeated. And believers live forever 
with our God. Oh, that'd be a good time for somebody to just say amen right there. I mean, can somebody just say amen right there? I mean, can somebody just say amen? Do you believe it this morning? Would you stand with me? No wonder Jesus taught us to pray. If our praise team would come. No wonder Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to invite you to just pray a simple prayer with me before we leave this house today. And that's this. God, your will be done in and through me. Is that all right today? Before we leave as individuals, I just ask you if you would just pray to God, God, your will be done in me and through me. And I can live a life of fullness of life and fullness of love. God, your will be done in and through me. As they sing for just a few moments of what they have, I want to tell you this altar is open. If you need to come and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave. If you need to come and and search your heart or, or just want to pray, then the altar is open for you to come and pray. But as they sing, the the rest of us, let's just bow our heads and let's just pray. 